The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. It is Thursday, September 21st, and today is National, get ready for this, Gretchen, it's Pawpaw Day, National Chai Day, National New York, and National Pecan Cookie Day. Thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast, and please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code. Right there in the top-hand corner of your screen to see where you live on the internet. And we're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube. And we're also streaming on Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, and Rumble. So welcome to all of everyone joining us from those platforms as well. But uh, kicking it off today, Rico is still out. So please uh, send him some warm wishes. He may be having some surgery today. So we want to make sure that we're sending our prayers and positive thoughts out, out his way. But uh, I'll tell you what. There's some interesting news coming out of the Netherlands today because the Netherlands is set to launch cannabis legalization pilot program in December. I mean, I thought the Netherlands already had Amsterdam, so this is a little confusing. But nonetheless, the Netherlands is officially launching its pilot program to legalize the sale of adult use cannabis in the in the country in, in the country in December. The program aims to assess whether coffee shops in the participating municipalities will receive authorization to legally sell cannabis. I mean, why wouldn't they? As announced in February, the Netherlands is set to launch a pilot program to explore the legal sale of cannabis. This initiative, which has experienced multiple delays since receiving Senate approval in 2019, has now officially confirmed by the Dutch government to start in December 15th. The pilot program will involve participation of the cities of Breda, Tilburg, where selected coffee shops from these municipalities will be initially allowed to sell both legally grown and tolerated cannabis products. And the toleration is in quotation marks, everybody. That's, that, that is real, 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 real cute. Um, it also goes on to basically say that, in fact, unlike what many think, the Netherlands has never legalized cannabis. However, since the 1970s, the country has implemented a tolerance policy towards so-called soft drugs like cannabis, a policy known as, uh, I can't even pronounce this, Jedobledid. Um, this policy allows cannabis sellers to operate their businesses without the fear of prosecution and has led to the proliferation of coffee shops throughout the country. In the initial phase of the plan, coffee shops in Breda and Tilburg will receive their cannabis from two official cannabis growers. During the first six weeks of the program, coffee shops will be allowed to obtain cannabis supplies from their existing illegal market suppliers as they transition out while the new legal suppliers are phased in developments in the startup phase will be monitored and if they are uh, if there are significant concerns regarding public safety or order the program might conclude prematurely furthermore this assessment of the pilot program will be shared with other participating cities to enhance processes and systems for a smoother transition phase 
The announcement of the program to legalize the sale of cannabis products comes after Amsterdam imposed certain restrictions on consuming cannabis in public spaces in order to prevent uh, noisy tourism, they say. The Netherlands is to become the second European country to launch a pilot program on the sale of legal adult-use cannabis and the first within the EU member states. The pilot program model designed to assess the advantages and disadvantages of adult use legalization was launched by Switzerland, which is not part of the EU last year and is currently active in several cities. The launch of the pilot program is significant for both Netherlands and the European Union, and the tolerance policy in the Netherlands has faced criticism over the years, and the policy has led to a situation where organized crime groups engaged in illegal drug trafficking have been allowed to supply and become the primary source of larger quantities of cannabis and other drugs. Therefore, the potential legalization of cannabis sales in the Netherlands may significantly impact the cannabis industry in the country through increased tax revenues, improved product quality, and possible investments, they say. From the European perspective, the pilot program model may represent a smooth strategy for other European countries to aim to legalize cannabis, and this will be part of the legalization process in Germany, whose government has recently approved the bill to legalize possession, cultivation, and the establishment of cannabis social clubs in the country, and it may be implemented soon, they say. However, European laws and international treaties still prevent countries from legalizing the sale of cannabis. Therefore, if the Netherlands pursues legalization, it will have to engage with the EU Commission to ensure that the proposed law aligns with international and European Union regulations. Well, 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 I thought they had a pilot program going on for years as having these coffee shops, but nonetheless, I'm going to digress and see what y'all have to say about this Netherlands allowing for adult use in two cities. What do y'all think about this? Let's hope they learn. What's, what's that, Dale? It, let's hope they learn something from our slow rollout here in the United States. It's a fucking disaster. Because who's going to become the new trap shops in, in Europe now? Because they're going to be there. Yeah, but they already have all the infrastructure in place. They need to, if they want to do this, they need to just, just grandfather in all of the pre-existing stores that are already currently operating. They already have their distribution model set up and, 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 and just run with it that way and then just work on integrating the supply through all of those retailers. I, I think this is, is set up for failure for the fact that they're only starting off with a couple of stores in a couple of cities. And it, I think it's just let's, be let's, for failure. let's just put our toes in the water just a little bit. Exactly. I mean, that's bullshit. It's not going to work because all these organizations that bring it in from places where we all want it, you know, the Atlas Mountains and Nepal mm -hmm. and shit like that, um, they're going to be considered criminal organizations. And, you know, organizing these folks to go through the, dis the distribution chains in Europe is going to be as difficult as trying to get California weed legally to New York keep it out of trap shops. It's, it's mm -hmm. going to be a struggle. Very, very, very true. Very true. What do you think stone? You've been to Amsterdam a couple of times. I mean, it, it, it's, I was going to make a stupid joke. It's high time to make that shit official. Um, but <laughs> I see, I totally see what Dale's saying, but I, you know, I, I like the idea. I mean, do you think this comes, any of this comes from them seeing our local state and, 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 and federal government, pulling in cash and they want to finally get a piece of the pie bro they're able to get a piece of pie they they have permitted stores all throughout amsterdam this is this yeah. is why this is so 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 weird to me like they get money they have permits they have licenses. they play the game there they play the game there like we did in the prop two the 420 days where mm -hmm. okay you can defend yourself so we're going to kind of leave you alone it really doesn't cross all the uh, the T's and dot the I's for making this a legal tested market where you can really invest, get banking, all the shit that we're struggling here in America. You know, they're, they're taking some tepid first steps. But these international conventions date back to, you know, times when they were just racist as hell over marijuana and what they call the soft drugs. And that's still got to be broken through because there is a lot of policymakers who really do not want this to happen. They're going to fight like crazy. So we'll be in an arm wrestling contest like we're in America. It's happening anyway, but can they wrap their arms around it? Well, we'll see. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Gretchen? I don't know. 
You don't, don't care. Know. You don't care about the Netherlands? Nope, 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 nope. You don't care about the EU at all? I'm focused on getting shit done here right now. So You're no, focused? I'm sorry, Jason Beck. I've been answering emails and texts and not listening to a word you say. Made my the beginning of the show very enjoyable for me, not listening to a word you say. Oh, man, so rude today. So I know. Jeez, 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 jeez. Well, don't, don't worry. In the East Coast. Don't, don't worry, Gretchen. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have one more story to read, so don't worry. You're going to get to hear my oh, voice. Oh, I can't wait and, because and, we love to hear you. And this, this, next, this, next one's, this next one's a long one. Great. <laughs> Let me turn off my uh, headphones right now. I bet. You have any thoughts on this, Tony? EU? Netherlands. All right. All right. We're going to keep it no, rolling. I, I, the reason why I don't have any say about it is because it's the same thing we say every single time. And clearly, I mean, I think everybody already said it. They already have all the infrastructure to do it. They're just not doing it. They're choosing not to do it. They're choosing to half-ass do it. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be done successfully because they're going to half-ass do it. I think everything that needed to be said was said already. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm with it. And I think, I think, I find, I do find it interesting that they think that the quality is going to improve because they have these two licensed providers out there. And uh, I, I'm not, I'm not buying that one for a second. No, it's going to be booth. Yeah, it's going to exactly. be booth because be no trash. one out there is sophisticated enough in cultivating, and they don't take it serious because it's been touristy for so long that selling people booth full of seeds has been their their thing since before I was born. So I don't think that it's going to change. I don't think it's going to change either. But uh, we're going to roll right into our feisty redheaded conservative that loves to listen to me on a constant, regular basis. That's right. She's the founder of Panoptic Strategies and loves to march her dogs up and down the hill in atrocious outfits that even PETA would be shocked about. That's right. It is none other than the Gretchen Gailey. They love those outfits. And because the temperatures are changing, they're going to be back in their pajamas soon, Jason Back. You're going to love it. Getting oh out, I got out there Halloween sweaters the other day. Oh man, such animal cruelty. Anyway, Ugh. let's see. Where do I begin? My headline: Bipartisan senators officially file revised marijuana banking bill ahead of key committee vote. A revised bipartisan marijuana banking bill has officially been filed in the Senate one week before a key committee is scheduled to vote on the legislation. But its prospects in the GOP-controlled House remain uncertain, with the key committee chairman declining to say whether he'd take up the legislation if it crosses over to his chamber. Three names, Secure and Fair Enforcement Regulation Banking Act, a.k.a. now SAFER, uh, sponsored by Senators Jeff Merkley and Steve Daines, was introduced on Wednesday, one day after Marijuana Moment first reported on the finalized language. The amended bill is the product of months of negotiations as senators work to build bipartisan buy-in and get it in passable form. It's set to receive a markup in the Senate Banking Committee on September 27th. After that point, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said he intends to bring it to the floor with all due speed. In a joint statement shared with Marijuana Moment on Wednesday, Schumer, Merkley, Danes, and Senator Kristen Sinema and Cynthia Loomis applauded the bill's introduction. This legislation will help make our communities and small businesses safer by giving legal cannabis businesses access to traditional financial institutions, including bank accounts and small business loans. It also prevents federal bank regulators from ordering a bank or credit union to close an account based on reputational risk. We look forward to the markup of this bill in the Senate Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs on September 27th. The majority leader also said in a separate statement on Wednesday that he is committed to attaching legislation on incentivizing state-level cannabis expungements and restoring gun rights for medical marijuana patients. Specifically, he said he would move to add the Harnessing Opportunities by Pursuing Expungement, HOPE Act, and Gun Rights and Marijuana Act to the final legislation, a.k.a. the Graham Act. Uh, uh, Let's see. Let's actually talk about what they did. Here are some of the key changes from the previous Safe Banking Act. In Section 7, the Safer Banking Act omits earlier language preventing federal regulators from taking action that discourages financial institutions from working with state legal marijuana businesses. However, Section 10 of the bill now spells out how regulators must broadly have a valid reason for requesting or requiring the termination of bank accounts for any business. It was revised to give the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation one year rather than 180 days to develop guidance for financial institutions serving state-licensed marijuana businesses. The original bill said that income derived from state legal cannabis business activity couldn't be used to deny federally-backed mortgages, 
That's been revised to say that standard applies to a covered mortgage. A new example of such a covered mortgage is one that's acquired or purchased by a federal home loan bank or pledged as collateral for an advance from a federal home loan bank. Section 10 has expanded, for example, to include a sense of Congress language stipulating that the personal and political beliefs of financial regulators should not influence their decision making. The legislation would newly require federal banking regulators to work with state banking supervisors and the secretaries of commerce and treasury and within two years of enactment from rules or guidance to increase access to deposit accounts for businesses and customers and to enable banks and credit unions to more effectively maintain customer relationships, especially for those in rural, low and moderate income areas, trial, tribal communities and unbanked businesses and consumers. There's a new requirement for the FDIC to conduct a biennial survey and report to identify barriers to accessing deposit accounts of small and medium-sized businesses. Further, the bill has been revised to include explicit mention of tribal communities in Section 11, which requires federal regulators to submit a report to Congress on access to banking for historically underbanked communities. Tribes are now listed beside minorities, veterans, women, and small state-sanctioned cannabis businesses as subjects of the report, which is not the case in the current Safe Banking Act as introduced. While required reports on data concerning small and minority veteran and women-owned businesses are still in the bill, the phrase diversity and inclusion has been removed from the relevant section titles. All told, it appears that the proposed revisions could satisfy both sides of the aisle, with Section 10 kept intact, as Banking Committee Member seven, Senator Kevin Kramer said this week, but also with new provisions to promote equity in the financial system. Senator Jack Reed, who also serves on the Banking Committee and previously raised concerns about Section 10, has also said that senators talked extensively about the language and we've made some progress. I think we've resolved most of the issues we had and hope we have so we can get it out of the committee with a strong vote. But again, the House under Republican control is another matter. Representative Patrick McHenry, who chairs the House Financial Services Committee, where the cannabis banking bill would likely be referred, is in supportive of the reform. And he gave a noncommittal response to Punchbowl News about how he'd approach the bill if it ended up in his panel's jurisdiction. He said simply that he looks forward to seeing the markup adding that he's happy to talk with Senate leaders about the legislation, but he also has policy I've originated too. Yada, yada, yada. Um, I, th I do believe this will pass the Senate. I know people think I'm nuts, that there's no chance in hell for anything to pass. I think these guys have lined up enough ducks in a row to get this thing through the Senate. The question now is the House and uh, Jason's favorite pack of the Freedom Alliance or whatever the hell they call themselves. The Freedom Caucus. Uh, Yes, the Freedom Caucus. Are mm -hmm. they going to allow SAFE to come through? We will see. This scratching for Hyatt 9 News. The Freedom Caucus will allow it to go through. That is for sure. You I'm think not, they will? Yeah, I'm not worried about that part. Right. I'm not worried about that part. You know what I'm actually more worried about, Gretchen? I'm more worried about the Democrats in the Senate trying to throw in too many social equity provisions because I've heard that they've already started with that. And, uh, and, and as you know, that's going to be a non-starter for a lot of Republicans on this. I hear you. However, I think Chucky um, is tired of looking like dipshit who can't get shit passed. And so I think he is uh, leaning heavily on his people to get in line behind this. He might not have all the votes, but he has enough Republican support to get it done. So as Schumer is going around town trying to tout that this is his bill now, that he has fixed it, it's ready to go. So for him to be making those types of statements, I think it's going to happen. Okay. And and I and I and I wanna and I wanna piggyback on what this beautiful sister just said. And the moment you hear Chuck Schumer put his name on anything for sure, it's because he got his ducks in a row. It's mm -hmm. not like before because even said, before he, when he it was before no he was one gonna have to a bill hold of it. on four twenty and he didn't even have that together. He's he he's he's uh he, he's 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 called the shots and busted his load tons of times and now watch nothing. this though look, look watch this though we wasn't we wasn't in the middle of a time where Democrats couldn't raise a hand in the library full of people who know how to read. So at the end of the day, they they need something in order to change what they've done to everything else. So this specifically, I feel like they're gonna make sure that they get through because they need some type of W to bring to the table. And they feel like this is significant enough 
with African-American and Latin voters that they can try to pander votes again. So to them, this is very significant. This is not just something that he's just willing to let fly by like as before. And we do have enough people on the right that have considered and are uh, supportive. So I believe that this can go. I'm with you. I'm just saying I don't have a lot of faith in Senator Schumer me either. at all. I'm just saying okay. I believe it can. And, and anytime he's saying that something is a go, then that's telling me that it's not a go because that's just how he operates. I trust Jason Beck more than I do him. So see what I'm saying? <laughs> see what I'm saying? Exactly. I think the house is full of petulant children and there mm-hmm. ain't shit going to happen there with those guys. And you, you can call them whatever you want, Jason. They're a bunch of petulant little shits that have a fit and get what they want and they're going to torpedo things this is just going to be a shit show coming up over the next 30 to 45 days i don't think anything's going to get done i love torpedoes. too much caucus in the freedom caucus i love well, torpedoes and I, and I agree a bit with sale there i'm concerned that these guys because of chucky boy putting mm-hmm. his name on this and pretending it's his job mm-hmm. uh, are going to say f chuck schumer and they're not going to pass it so if these people are that stupid and are willing to fuck with us that much, it is time for the cannabis lobby to get behind getting those assholes out of Congress. I agree with that. I, th- I think we okay. should primary we should AOC. Have been that. They, the cannabis lobby yeah. should have been focused more so on supporting and being more supportive of individuals that we knew that was going to, um, that was going to, um, that was going to agree with at least trying to find a path towards legislation and had an actual plan towards finding a path towards legislation. Not just somebody who's going to say, oh, I'm for marijuana. I, I smoke weed with my friends because it's, it's legal over here or whatever. And then it's like just one person in the house or one person in the Senate who's just saying it. We just need people to be like, this is what I'm running on. And I believe one of my policies specifically is to make sure we legalize marijuana and we fix what we've done with the criminal justice system in terms of how we've targeted individuals for simply having a plant that does nothing to you. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that at all. But uh, we are going to... we got little bit of time we're going to keep this keep this thing rolling i'm going to roll right into this next story gretchen this is this this story is specifically for you gretchen okay oh i'm excited all right it has has your name has your name your cheeks cheeks are red yeah that's right that's right and i'm glad that i'm glad that uh gretchen has her glasses on today because uh this is this is definitely going to bring some insight to the new york program because new york's testing failures expose legal weed to illegal weed consumers to unsafe cannabis and they're calling this a serious health threat well i've been telling you guys all that weed in stores is total boof and you shouldn't smoke it you're better off going and buying your weed from uh, one of these little bodegas but uh and now we got some proof in the pudding because a new york cannabis insider investigation has uncovered systemic problem with health failures at every level of the state's legal cannabis industry from farmers to labs to state regulators that experts say may pose a serious health threat to consumers. Top-selling weed strains available at licensed dispensaries from western New York to Manhattan contain microbial levels 10 to 250 times higher than what's allowed under the state's rules for medical cannabis. The majority of these products should not have been allowed to be sold to consumers and may pose a serious health threat, said Sarah Athens, founder and CEO of New Jersey cannabis testing company True Labs for Cannabis. Among New York Cannabis Insider's findings, one, the state's requirement that weed be grown outside and not indoors has led to high levels of bacteria, yeast, and mold among products that experts say should not reach consumers. That's why you should grow indoor weed. Despite its public health and safety mandate, state regulators have maintained a relatively hands-off approach to enforcement and have left it up to farmers who struggle to survive to decide whether their products are safe or not. And three, dozens of, public, uh, do- dozens of publicly available test results show state-certified labs have consistently broken the rules for reporting pesticides, heavy metals, and other contaminants. Well, 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 not surprised at all. A necessary medical notice at this point, um, they say health risks associated with smoking or consuming contaminated weed can include allergic reactions, sickness, and in extreme cases, death. These, the, the most susceptible to pesticide and microbial contaminants include women of reproductive age, uh, in, 
immune-compromised patients with cancer and HIV and patients with seizures and epilepsy. The Office of Cannabis Mismanagement is responsible, or should we call them the Office of of, of Cannabis Mismanagement, is responsible for the rules around adult use and medical cannabis, and the agency does not agree that New York Cannabis Insider's findings indicate a significant health concern. Of course they, they wouldn't because you're telling them all about themselves. But nonetheless, in a quote, a high yeast and mold count does not equate to a threat to public health, said OCM spokesperson Aaron uh, Geltman. Uh, Growing cannabis outdoors is not much different than growing tomatoes or corn or lettuce. It's a natural environment with microorganisms, he says. But Athens counters people don't inhale moldy tomatoes. They usually just throw them out. Uh, Gelman added that the agency is aware of non-compliant test results but has not detected serious or systemic problems with testing accuracy or compliance. They, they, th- this despite roughly 40 publicly active lab reports for some of New York's best-known brands that clearly show non-compliant testing, misreported numbers, and missing results. In short, the integrity of the legal cannabis marketplace rests on the bedrock of safety, testing, and regulatory enforcement. Uh, Aaron says that uh, she sees none of that play in New York. And in a quote, she says, I see a lack of proper regulations to ensure consumer safety, blatant violations of the current testing requirements, and a lack of enforcement to adhere to the current regulations, she said. Last year, the the first of New York's adult-use cannabis licenses, the state mandated its, its conditional marijuana cultivators grow outdoors to encourage sustainability, which just produces more boof, in my opinion. The OCM quickly discovered the outdoor rule had consequences. Growers couldn't pass lab tests for bacteria, yeast, and mold, and this was not a surprise because outdoor farmers Farming poses inherent uh, contamination risks, which did catch people by surprise um, at the OCM and especially their response to the problem. After listening to the farmers across the state, the OCM announced in November that it would remove test thresholds for these microbes, meaning sky's the limit, you guys. That's right. Jeff Rawson, president and founder of the nonprofit Institute of Cannabis Science, said he remembers hearing the news and, to quote, it was pretty f- pretty famous, tossing out all of the microbial testing. Rawson said, I'd never seen such a clear expression of profits and a market over public health. It was really stark, he says. Despite having a team of scientists and licensed medical professionals on staff, the OCM also made licensed growers and processors responsible for deciding whether or not their products pose a public health risk. Well, of course, they're not going to say their products pose a possible health risk. And in a quote, it's the responsibility of the licensee to consider any risk to the health of consumers, says the OCM's testing guidance for growers and processors. On the same day, the OCM's announcement, uh, Colin Decker, a cannabis industry consultant and founder of Seven Seals, S-E-A-Z, says that, yes, the move would allow farmers to get more product onto the marketplace, but inevitably it will open a can of worms in regards to the standards, quality, and expectations that consumers would have for the flour and products they are looking to purchase in dispensaries, Decker said. And though nearly a year later, the agency still has no limit for yeast, mold, or and bacteria, it does require those numbers to be reported in lab results so consumers know what they're ingesting, assuming consumers know how to read the scientific reports and understand the results or even realize that they're entitled to see them. The OCM told New York Cannabis Insider on Monday that it flags any adult-use flower product with a total bacteria count above 1 million CFU slash G, or 10 times the limit for medical cannabis and reaches out to licenses to, in quotes, help determine the appropriate remedial steps. It's unclear whether the agency applies the same formula with yeast and mold results, but 11 of 40 lab results for flour analyzed by New York Cannabis Insider had bacteria counts over 1 million CFU slash G. One brand showed 24.7 million CFU slash G, and nine had yeast and mold counts over 100,000 CFU slash G, with one brand showing 2.5 million CFU slash G, 250 times the medical limit in its test results. And most of these products are still available for sh- on sh- shelves today in New York dispensaries. 
Their rationale behind New York's cannabis legalization of 2021 was grounded in the idea of public health and safety, and the state continues to use that as a foundation to push consumers toward the legal market. And, oh, man, OCM Executive Director Chris Alexander has reportedly hammered home the importance of tested safe products. And in February, Alexander said that the illicit storefronts are putting public health at risk and enforcement against them will help stop the sale of contaminated products. He said in June that launching legal cannabis businesses with safe and tested licensed product is paramount. And he told the public in July that when shopping at a legal dispensary, you can purchase products you trust that were safely processed from seed to sale. Yet a product with lab results showing 250 times the medical limit for yeast and mold and non-compliant pesticide testing today sits on a New York City dispensary shelf. Everyone's favorite governor, Governor Kathy Hochul, made uh, pr projecting public health one of three pillars of the state's Why Buy Legal campaign, a multi-million dollar public relations effort announced in April to educate and explain to consumers why regulated cannabis products are safer, but flower with non-compliant uh, non -compliant heavy metals testing and 37 times the medical limit for yeast and mold can be legally purchased and delivered to parts of Queens, Brooklyn, and Manhattan and while New York's multi-state medical cannabis companies published a study in November that described the illicit market as presenting serious health and safety threats to consumers, a top-selling legal cannabis brand in the Empire State has at least 13 non-compliant lab results tied to its products. At that point, you're talking about public health risk, consumer safety and regulatory, and market trust and confidence just growing down the, basically confidence is just going down the drain said sarah steinoff a licensed cultivator at anata farms did farmers sell this product because they're hurting on bills stunoff asked did the did the labs not test correctly because there's no quality assurance or standardization did the state not regulate because they went too far into licensing or are retailers responsible for putting bad weed on shelves without sampling it? From start to finish, it's a shit show, she said. But watching her competitors sell potentially dangerous products to recoup losses is really disheartening, she said. If that doesn't give you the incentive to go back to the black market, I don't know what does, she says. The reality of outdoor grows, not all bacteria and fungi are bad, and there are beneficial kinds that can be used safely in a variety of ways for cannabis cultivation and those non-harmful mi microbes may lead to higher than normal bacteria yeast and mold counts among lab results said Kristen giddy founder of ceo of trichome analytics in new jersey and this thing just goes on and on and on and on and on about all of this stuff that's being sold in new york and in the essence of time i'm going to digress on this for you, Gretchen, but I want to hear what you say about all this dirty, dirty, dirty outdoor weed being sold on compliant shelves throughout the state of New York. Well, Jason Beck, um, I know you expect me to defend New York, but there's no defending this, and I have never uh, strayed from my stance on providing clean, safe, cannabis to consumers and if new york can't do that then they shouldn't be in business this is bullshit and the fact that they would lower their standards to get this product onto the shelves is also horseshit i mean th this is a huge black eye on the ocm the fact that they would allow this to go through and we should be out there and we should be protesting them and doing everything necessary to make sure that patients get the products that they need. And we should uh, probably As, be uh, also uh, boycotting these these legalized stores because all they're doing is selling contaminated oh, oh, oh. product is it, is it the store's fault or is it the state's fault for allowing these labs it's to the, allow this product to go through? It's it, it, it's I, the it's the state's fault. It's both. It's the state's fault. It's the state's fault ultimately because they haven't allowed for an adequate supply chain for these re retailers to actually uh, right, operate so, compliantly. I'm going to just ask how many people here. Wait, I'm going to ask how many people lived in New York for maybe three, four years because I've been born and raised there. So as soon as I knew that they was going to go legit and legal with it, I knew they were not going to be able to, in any way, shape, or form, regulate anyone selling any marijuana. Mm -hmm. New York City is just too big of an area. For someone can have a store, you won't even know it's marijuana being sold in there. Like, there's just too many locations for you to try to even think about doing something like that. So it's both. It's both because the store owners also, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, the dispensaries also, aren't taking the time to care about the people that they're actually servicing. 
So because there, there, there are dispensaries that do care and they do test and they do everything they can to make sure that they're giving you great quality marijuana. And then you have the bodegas or not bodegas, but maybe some bodegas too, but you'll have the Arab stores and just local corner stores that do not care. And they call themselves dispensaries and they have booth, um, booth weed in there. They're selling people stuff that they're spraying down full of chemicals and everything else. So there's a ton of people out there. New York City, yeah, I blame them, but I also blame the people that have the locations because they don't care about the people that they're servicing. They do not. Jason, uh, can I ask a question? Please, Gretchen. Uh, just so I understand this correctly, the weed is not good because the state lowered their standards. It's not that... These actually failed lab tests. These all would fail. These shelves. all failed lab tests. No, no, yes. No. These so, all failed lab so tests. So they did not meet the standards even after they got rid of microbials and all that crap that they actually took out from it. Correct. You they still did. Yes. Yeah. So that it's not because they changed the standards. It's they still don't even meet those standards. Well, there is no standards if you remove the standards, Gretchen. No, that's my point, Jason. Is if the labs are not at fault not because they change the standards, and so then that puts the onerous on BOCM. But if these folks still failed the lab standards, even after the OCM lowered the standards, then it would be on the labs and the businesses who are accepting this cannabis. Do you see what I'm saying? I, I don't really know if I'm following exactly what you're what you're trying to put down exactly, Dale, you, Gretchen. You get my logic, but Dale. what do you uh, well, think? I do. And in California, what they did is you don't have a, a, a certificate of analysis that passes all the standards. You can't take it from the distribution center to a retail store. You just can't do it. Yeah, and New, so and New York is New York is allowing that. Well, I know they are. Well, they changed the standard. That's my question. That, that, that's my they, point. They shouldn't have changed their standards if they want to if they want to lament in the fact that they're all about in public health and they clean meds and all this BS. My point is, Jason is did were these stores handed failed lab tests and said no problem we'll still take the product yes that's my that's, question that, that, that's that's what it sounds like to me and basically the state is saying that we're not going to enforce on it that 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 is how that's how i'm interpreting all of this that's that's uh that's too many people have the sensitivity to, to to molds i just can't even imagine you know i've back in the back in the day way back in like the 80s you come across some moldy weed and i i I'm sensitive to that shit. I would de detect it immediately. It'd make me feel bad. Like that's, I can't believe the state trying to say that it's just fine to let that go through yeah. and pass. Well, you know what? You know what, Stone? Me, I mean, I smoke it to see if I get extra high. <laughs> oh man, no, you're not. You're gonna get extra, extra sore throat from all that harsh ass harshness. Yeah, yeah that's bad yeah. stuff. No, no, no. This, this is this, this is bad. And and you know what? I mean, it, it seems like the the the, cl the cleanest place for you to go and buy clean meds in the state of new york is actually to go to one of these msos because they are tighterly regulated than these uh than these uh adult use stores no in new york city i'm a new yorker if you want some good 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 bud don't go to any stores because even though it look good even though the prices may be good a lot of them are sprayed full of chemicals find somebody out there that's really skinny has dark lips and yellow eyes and he will take you to the promised land <laughs> Go to the block. That's the, that's the secret right Find there, the huh? Find a guy that is malnutrition with mm -hmm. lips that look like a brown sofa and eyes that look like urine fresh in the morning. And oh, I promise boy. you, he will take you to the promised land. He's not going to walk you into a corner store or a store. He's going to take you to his man's. He's going to be in a project building. His man's going to open the door and ask you what you want. And he's not going to open up his shirt or trench coat or none of that. He's going to dig his hands in his pants. He's going to pull his hands out. Oh, no, that's old. He's going to dig his hands in his pocket. He's going to pull his hands out. He's going to be like, pick one. He's going to let you pick one, and you're going to go about your day. You're going to find some good, good, good marijuana, and it's going to come from California. You know that. that. That's my word. That is true. Can I, call right, that I want to ask Oregon, one more question. Right? Yeah. Go, go ahead, go ahead Gretchen. Is, What's the question? My, the, my other question is for uh, the folks who cultivate, because I do not. Um... Is this also a problem because of this cannabis having sat for over a year? Is that the problem as well? Well, that's that I mean, contribute that, to these issues. That, that, that definitely can, can attribute to stored. it. Yeah. Well, Dale, Dale, we we've shown we've shown um, how it's stored, contracts Dale. Contracts between cultivators and distributors <laughs> for who's responsible and how do you store it? Because you can get it moldy in storage. Mm -hmm. But generally, it just degrades. The cannabinoids degrade if you store it properly. It just gets old. It really is boof at that point. This, these arguments, though, 
They're hard to understand because California and Colorado have set standards up that go back years and years. And if you're going to smoke something, I have immunocompromised people in my family. I don't want them smoking shit that's going to fail these tests because they're going to get sick. So the standards have been set. California has a lot more stringent. They got Prop 65 warnings here. You can get sued if that ends up in one of these products they sell in the store. A lot of other protections. Um, and, but it's, it's a lot of it's overkill. You know, you've been, I've been smoking weed for over 50 years, and I didn't give two shits what was in it. If I looked at it and it didn't look moldy, we smoked it. Okay. Now you got all these rules and regulations and a lot of it's overkill. Mm -hmm. But if it's medical and you're selling it to people who could get sick from this shit, we got rules. Don't let it go into yeah. a store. Just but if it's not it. medical, who gives a shit? Get high. It burns. As long as you're burning it. That's why I don't know. I came up different. I came up in an era where we did have seeds in it. And we were introduced to California. We do Biggie Smalls and his music. And then we started to have good weed coming to New York. And and if it, it, it you know, we smoked bad weed and yeah, I don't even know, like I've seen weed with mold in it before. Look, mm -hmm. you know what you do? You take a little lighter, you roast a little bit of the mold and then you start breaking that up too. Jason probably say, no, nah, that you burn the weed. Yeah, yeah, I don't so, want to uh, taste uh, like that. Yeah, nasty. You can just say everything in there, but nasty. back then we didn't really have financial resources to say, well, this weed doesn't look good. I'm going to just throw it away. It yeah, was like, and there well, was no smoke it because. And, and there was no education system. Like, like there's been tons of times that that uh that, that that people have purchased weed that are that is filled with powdery mildew and people just think that it's crystals okay and so there there is no real way to educate or has been a way to educate the masses as to like quality and traits to look for when purchasing cannabis which has also led to the reason why the average consumer only looks to the THC number which is doesn't make any sense in the, in the to purchase cannabis in the first place because well, they hasn't Hasn't the packaging regulations also helped or hurt people being able to actually look at the product that they're getting? Yes, 100%, because having to have it packaged as a consumer packaged good as opposed to being able to offer it like a deli-style type of thing where you would just weigh it and then uh, package it for them there has, has definitely uh, done that. And also, too, it has also diminished the quality of the cannabis because cannabis stays fresher longer when it's all stored together as opposed to be broken off into these different, uh, different packaged uh, um, uh, metrics. You good now, Gretchen? It's more shit for me to fight for. All right, all right, perfect. Keep employing me, people. Anytime, anytime. We we love we love we love to keep women working around here. That's for sure. Oh my god, I'm going to stab you through your face. Yeah, we're gonna go to a commercial. We're gonna be right back. Relying on 25 years of commercial hydroponic experience, King Solomon Nutrients has engineered the best liquid and dry fertilizer products for cannabis that preserves the crop, the soil, and the environment. Through relentless passion, research, and innovation, King Solomon has developed simplified cannabis crop nutrition you can trust. It was created for farmers by farmers. Don't mess around. Try the crown. Oh, yeah. What, stop whatever you're doing. Make sure you hit that like button. I know YouTube will appreciate it, and so will we. Also, too, make sure you're subscribed to the show if you're not already subscribed to this channel. And make sure you can read all of our web uh, articles at www.hyatt9news.com you can interact with us there all kinds of fun stuff make sure you go and check it out how's it going guys saman razani coming to you from green street here with jason beck smoking on the best weed in the world did you know that we have an audio only version of our podcast available on apple google amazon iHeartRadio, and spotify tune in now and check it out Oh, uh, yeah. Coming up next, we have the founder of our model law practice, Mr. Dale Schaefer. He was he did some time for a cannabis crime and helped all of his other fellow inmates work on their law degrees as well. That's right. It is Mr. Dale Schaefer. Uh, good morning, everybody. Good morning. I've got an introduction to another pissing match going on out here in California between uh, Humo Corporation and Susie Placencia a Latina influencer. It seems that back in the end of 2021, 
um, Humo Corporation was set up to um, brand a product, and Humo in, in Mexican means smoke. And they reached out and hired an, an influencer by the name of Susie Placencia to come in and develop the brand. Uh, Susie had a reputation, a big social media following. She had um, uh, helped boycott um, a group called La Chingana, I think was the name of them, that were not you know, authentic Mexican. And she got a big reputation for influencing Latino and Mexican brands out here in California. So Humo brings her on board and she starts developing this brand. And it, it by all measures, looks to have gone pretty well. They were up to, I think, a million plus a month in, in revenues under this brand. And she, she brought in um, Catalyst as a, a group to take and put their brands on the shelves. Okay, so things seem to be going pretty well. And then as too often happens, there's pissing matches start to develop inside these companies. And a pissing match developed between Susie Placencia and some other, it looks to be a female they brought in. I don't know all the psychology and dynamics of this, but it blew up in everybody's face. So they fired Susie and they got rid of the company she had, the marketing company. Now, um, she sent uh, messages to her contacts to let them know I'm no longer affiliated with the company. And then one of her friends who organized a boycott uh, of Humo, and this shit just went off the rails. Well, Humo filed a complaint against her and her company and her other partner, a guy, last name is Lady. And I, I wrote a sort of a three-paragraph cover of this, but it's, it's deeper than what I could put into that. So... Um, the complaint alleges breach of contract, um, breach of the implied covenant of, of good faith and fair dealing, and then intentional interference with business relations. And but what Susie's Placentia and her company did, they responded with an answer and said, no, we deny all this shit. But then they filed an anti-slap motion. California has these anti-slap motions. And if the gravamen of your complaint is that someone is using their free speech to say things about you, you can file an anti-slap motion, get the court to strike out everything that is protected free speech. It turns out that Miss Placencia has a big social media presence, and she claims she went out of her way not to disparage these folks, not to say bad things about them. She doesn't work for them anymore. Well, Catalyst notified Humo right away that if she ain't there, we ain't putting your shit on our shelves. Okay, so the revenue's tanked. And so Humo is claiming that she went out and tried to torpedo their business. And in the pleading stages, you accept what's in the pleadings as true. Okay? But if you're gonna file motions to try to strike pleadings, you've gotta come forth with evidence. Well, Susie brought forth evidence. I'm calling her Susie because that's what the, the um, people in these declarations call her. And they came forth and said, no, she didn't um, cause catalyst to stop this. They did it on their own. She had nothing to do with this boycott. So there's evidence. These are what we call speaking motions. And it looks like um, Susie and Night Shift Digital can meet their burden of proof. that She was following uh, free speech on uh, issues of public interest, and she has a social media presence. <clears throat> so Humo is going to have to reach a much higher standard of intent because they're they're um, out there in the public arena, and these are interests uh, of public. These are issues of public interest. So where we are right now is we've got a hearing coming up at the end of October, and Susie and her group have asked the court to strike anything out of this complaint that has to do with her exercising her free speech rights. And the third cause of action, the intentional interference, is all based upon her free speech rights. So we're going to see how long this lasts, and we I haven't seen anything come back from Humo. They're going to have to file declarations and affidavits and, and participate in what we call a speaking motion. We need evidence now to show that you have the proof that she acted with actual malice towards you or for some reason she didn't have the right to speak freely like this. And if they don't prevail, they're going to pay all of her attorney's fees. It's one of the poison pills they put in this. If you... You know, let's say you sue somebody for defamation and they're exercising their free speech rights and they file an anti-slap and it gets granted, you're going to pay all their attorney's fees. Okay, So we will see. This is going to roll out 
and I don't want to get too much inside baseball here. But we've talked before about pleading stages where you accept the allegations. If you move into motion work, you have to bring forth evidence. We have only one side of the story here from Susie Placencia. That seems pretty compelling. And we'll see if HUMO can bring forth facts, admissible evidence and facts to uh, counter what they're saying. And I'll keep you all advised as this go forward. But you know, we have a lot of people filing lawsuits and a lot of governments have decided that if you're trying to stop somebody from participating publicly, we're gonna stop you and slap you around. So we call them anti-slap statutes. That's what's going on here today. I'll throw it back at you. What do you all think about this? Man. I did not know about this this slap statue, Dale. That is very, very interesting. And so what you're saying is that Humo is going to have a much higher burden to prove that she was out trying to slander the company or trying to remove her remove business from them. Is that is that what I'm understanding? Well, it, it has to do with the right to free speech. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, they, they had signed a contract, a services agreement, which restricted her from saying things while she's speaking on behalf of the company, you gotta get permission, okay? Well, once she's no longer working for them, then you can you know, talk about your issues uh, publicly. It's free speech, okay? And so that's one of the problems I think Humo has is that she wasn't speaking about half the company. You can't stop her from publicly speaking. And you have to go to the next level of showing actual malice when you're in a, a public figure, which this company seems to be, and someone's exercising free speech. These anti-slap statutes are in many states now. California just happens to have one of them with a big stick. So mm -hmm. we'll see. And D Dale, I have, I have a question for you. Um, and, and, and full disclosure, um, uh, Susie Placentia has been here on the news before as, as a correspondent, and, uh, and it was during the time when she was employed by HUMO. Um, and I just ha have a question. If, 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 if I was Susie, and I called the different accounts that I had, and these are also people that I have relationships with and whatnot, and I call them and let them know that I'm no longer with the company, yada, 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 and, and that's pretty much the, the, the gist of our conversation. Um, would, would Humo still have a right to say that I was out uh, trying to remove their business or whatnot when, when, in essence, you could also say that, that Susie was just notifying them that she was no longer with the company? Well, I, I think they have a tough road to hoe, okay? And that's part of the argument Susie's making, is that I just called my contacts up who had been following me at HUMO or HUMO, wherever the fuck mm -hmm. you want to call it, that I let them know I'm no longer affiliated with them. And that's her story. She got declarations from one of these folks that, hey, she never asked us to take our brands off the, off the shelves. Mm -hmm. She just notified, I don't work for them anymore, and we made the decision, fuck these guys. We're not going to put our stuff on the shelves because Susie's no longer there. She has a free speech right, and just remember, truth is an absolute defense in these situations. If you speak the truth and you have no contractual obligation to stay confidential about things, then you can speak your truth. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem they have. This is a free speech right. She's on social media. And as far as I can tell, they have no evidence that she actually said things that were false or disparaged this company. So that's the problem they got. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Sounds like it's all going to go in one big pile of humo. Well, it's the it's the attorney's uh, full right to work act, you know? Mm -hmm. This is interesting. And we're going to keep following along the story, uh, Dale, as, as, as this developments and the new uh, filings come in. You have any thoughts on this, Gretchen Stone, Tone? Or we got to keep it moving? I love a good slap lawsuit. They're good times. Uh, this was a big part of... Uh, my college was learning a lot about slap and this was a huge thing that they were pushing back then. Um, strategic lawsuits against public participation is what slap stands for. Um, and another thing, libel is extremely difficult to actually prove. Uh, so good luck to these guys. Uh, it's not, it's not easy. Mm -hmm. I think Susie's got them where she wants them. I think you're right about that too, Gretchen. I would agree with that. Especially after Dale's uh, Dale's Dale's evaluation overall, so uh, thank you, Dale. We're gonna keep this rolling right on in to Mr. Stone Slade. He is the world famous Delta Eight smoker from the great red state of Texas who loves to hang out at South by Southwest, and that's right at his favorite Delta Eight booth. That's right. It's none other than Mr. Stone Slade. 
Oh, Jason, Jason, I cannot <laughs> wait for Rico to come back. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Folks, it was only a few months ago when I reported on an, that adventurous American parading through the streets of Phuket, Thailand, with a contraption that can best be described as a Ghostbuster-looking smoke blower, just uh, just goes to show you that it only takes one over-enthusiastic tourist to make authorities reevaluate, well, everything. Thailand's leader, Prime Minister, oh boy, Sareta Tavasin, made waves this week, throwing a damp towel on the nation's budding love affair with the green herb. And what can only be described as a buzzkill, the PM vowed on Wednesday to restrict cannabis to purely medical purposes within the next six months. Why, you ask? Perhaps it's the proliferation of weed shops popping up faster than you can say Bob Marley, with thousands sprouting up since Thailand's groundbreaking decision to remove cannabis drug classifications in 2022. It's been quite the high time. During a one-on-one -on -one with Bloomberg Television's Haslinda MN in the city that never sleeps, New York, not Bangkok, Mr. Saritha was candid. The law will need to be rewritten. It needs to be rectified. We can have the regulated for medical use only. He remarked making it clear a uh, compromise on adult use was not on his menu. Now, while there seems to be a consensus within his 11-party coalition on restricting cannabis, the blueprint of this resolution is still hazy. Notably, his party stance before the May elections was unequivocally anti-drug, pushing for a rollback on cannabis updated status. However, their coalition bedfellows led by Mr. Anutin Karnavakakal are championing for a cannabis bill that monitors the industry closely without restoring its drug status. But here's the fun fact. The decision to change cannabis statuses status has seen a booming of approximately 6,000 dispensaries across Thailand. They offer a smorgasbord from buds to oils, making sure that the THC levels are always under 0.2. Now, as the government muses over the green policies that uh, Phuket Cannabis Association's president, Mr. Punawart Wang Padaradovich, shared his two cents, cannabis is here to stay, but in what status is not clear. He added hinting perhaps that the American Ghostbuster enthusiast uh, more regulation will be good as we don't want a free-for-all anyway. Now, conversely, Mr. Radapun Senarak from the Cannabis Advocacy Group Highland Network warned against pushing adult use underground as that would undoubtedly lead to lesser control. Now, with an assertive stance on drugs, Mr. Sarita's government promise, promises to cleanse the Thai society of the drug menace. He recently showcased his intent by overseeing the destruction of seized narcotics. And though Thailand is often seen as the central channel for drug trafficking in Southeast Asia, the PM keenly highlighted the problem of drug has been widespread lately, especially in the northeastern and northern parts of Thailand, and we don't need another issue added on top of that. So in short, for now, cannabis is in a bit of a legal limbo in Thailand. But remember, if you're thinking of going full Dr. Dr. Peter Vinkman with a Ghostbuster-esque cannabis smoke blower, it might land you in some ectoplasmatic hot water. That was cheesy, but I had to throw it in there. That's all from me. Hi, I'm, I'm Stone Slade with the High High News. Oh, man, Stone. Sounds like uh, this. I mean, you know who this is great news for? This is great news for trappers in Thailand. Yeah. Okay, that's who this is great news for because it sounds like the weed prices are going to go up, 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 up. Yeah. PM sounds like a drug warrior to me. He definitely sounds like a drug warrior. You're exactly right, Dale. And this is this is kind of like, like you already have stores. Like you, all, all that you're going to do is just push people into little other uh, other buildings. The stores are always going to live on. Like there's people aren't going to just stop having stores. They're just going to take some new shape or form, and you're not going to be able to identify them out on the streets as, as as easily as you would. But once you know where they're at, they're they're there. They ain't going to stop it. I was buying Thai weed 50 years ago. Thai sticks, they called them. Thai sticks. They run off the boats from Vietnam. Mm -hmm. How much was it, Dale? Oh, shit. It, it didn't seem like it's more than 20 bucks or something. I could get some decent Thai sticks. It's hard to... I'm old, man. You make me remember shit 50 years ago? Yeah, 20, Fuck, I can't 20, remember wiping my ass this morning. 20 U.S. dollars. <laughs> 20 U.S. dollars for, for one Thai stick, you're saying? No, no, no. It came in a bundle. Oh, you had a bundle of sticks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Were any of See, them? See, I knew guys who were bringing off the boat, so I got it cheap. Were any of them opiumated? There were. There were. And you could tell because it flashed my nausea. As soon as I smoked them, I got nausea. It's like, fuck, this is dipped in morphine or something or, or opium tincture. 
Is it possible it could have been dipped in like uh, elephant or horse tranquilizer? Um, well, it it's possible, but that stuff had a more of a chemically chemical taste too. Because I've had that sprung on me before, ketamine and other things like mm -hmm. that, and it, you could taste the chemical. And next thing you know, you're laying there and you can't even open your eye. You feel like that that lion on the the show where it's laying there, looking like if I could bite you, motherfucker, I would, but I can't even flick my tail. Yeah. No, I never. <laughs> I was careful of that. The opium, they would dip it in opium. That mm -hmm. was one of the problems that you have. You could tell quickly. At least I could. Trained professional right there, Mr. Dale Schaefer. That's right. Yeah. Oh, man. Experimenter with most drugs. That's what I was in my youth. Yeah, Stone, I feel like they're just setting up Thailand to be more like L.A. Yeah. You know. Roll I wonder what yeah. the Thai name for a trap shop is. We should all learn that, right? I tie trap. Yeah, I have enough names just with tie, enough trouble just with the tie names already. I'm sorry, I butchered it. I did. I, I was not the typical American though, and I, I did pr pronounce Phuket correctly on this article. I thought it was it fuck, fuck it. it. I thought it was fuck it. Yeah. I'm just not gonna. It's safe to say for me that I'm never gonna go to Thailand. So. I don't think that I'm ever going to care about trying to find any kind of marijuana in Thailand because I don't think that I'm... I, I can safely say that I never intend to go to Thailand. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. We're going to keep this rolling. We got one more story for you guys coming up next. That's right. It is the man, Mr. Tony Montega, the man that Joe Biden would love to silence for even acknowledging the, the existence of. That's right. It is none other than... Tony Montaga. Thank you very much, Jason. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, because somewhere around the world, that is truly what time it is. And I want to thank all my co-hosts for being here today. Uh, today, <clears throat> my story is Oklahoma cannabis businesses shut down following K County's bust. A handful of marijuana businesses were shut down in K County last week. The Oklahoma Medical Marijuana Authority and law enforcement in the north central Oklahoma County worked together to respond to complaints about medical marijuana businesses in the area. Five marijuana businesses were shut down after two groups conduct several routine compliance inspections citing illegal activities such as untraceable and untagged marijuana. Last week, the state agency and law enforcement seized or embargoed 14,000 marijuana plants and more than 4,800 pounds of marijuana. The OMMA uh, filed uh, emergency orders to shut down the growers. Early this year, the OMMA found through, it, through an independent study that Oklahoma might be producing 64 times more marijuana than medical patients need. Duramond is asking everyone with information about suspected illegal grow operations to submit to submit a tip to the Office of Oklahoma Attorney General. A uh, compliant form is available at Blase Blah, which is uh, I don't know how to say that. I don't. I, I can't even do all of that. I, there's too much activities for me. But I will say that if this is what they've got, then thank God they're taking this stuff off the street because that photograph looks like a bag of boof. <laughs> It, it does look like a bunch of like nasty, nasty, if nasty trees. Growing, then thank goodness the law enforcement is doing this job. Because I mean, that looks like a big bag yeah, of booth. That looks like I a bag. Sleep on that. That should just be turned into distillate. Like that shouldn't be anything other than I that. I think I that's give just it to Oklahoma Bud. To be honest, yeah. that's. I've, I've only been three times, and all three times I've had somebody tell me they're going to show me where it's at, and it's not been there. Uh, I found some good hash. I stay away from the flower in Oklahoma. Interesting. So far, show Interesting. Me. somebody show me. I'd love to find some. You're going to go and hit the high road in Oklahoma. I'm sorry, Oklahoma. No disrespect no, 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 to your town or your city. I will hit the high road, but somebody, I love every state and every city in this great nation. But this is a bag of boof, and that's just what I have to say. Yeah, that's, that's, that. no, that's no bueno. Like, you may like, not like that I'm saying this, but the good Lord did you a favor. So you didn't have to smoke this. <laughs> yes. This well, at least somebody, move. at least someone, whoever. Yeah, that definitely. And it's fortunately it's in a trash bag, so we know it's going in the trash because where it belongs. Yes, it's exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I mean this is this. I mean they have been very active out there in Oklahoma, and so I'm sure we're going to see more stories exactly like this. And this is not going to be 
the first, definitely not going to be the last, and uh, and we'll continue to let you know what happens. Any thoughts on this at all, Gretchen? No, it's time to go. You're ready to go? All right. All right. I it's gotta time work. to go. Some of us work for a living. We're gonna go, Gretchen. We're gonna go. Thank you all for joining us and getting high at nine with us every Monday through Friday at nine AM Pacific and high noon on the East Coast. Big thank you to our audience supporters for always tuning in daily and seeing what is the insanity of the ever developing cannabis industry. Thank you to all of our uh people showing up every day, all of our audience, people watching on all of these different platforms. And thank you to all our correspondents for showing up every day and sharing all of your knowledge and wisdom and insight with us. And thank you all for tuning in and getting high at nine with us. It's America's number one daily cannabis news show.